Brilliant. Good morning, everybody. What fun it is. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, apostolic and prophetic foundations. I'm sure a keynote will pop up sooner or later. I think God wants to speak into our uh, sense of, you know, as I was sitting there worshipping, I've got this sense, well, you know, there's, there, there's promise, uh, there's promises, and there's potential. And, and that's, that's what we see, and that's what God sees. There are, there's you know, promises, there's promise and potential. Of course, the problem with all of those things is that they're unrealized, aren't they? Uh, you know, this person has potential. This, you know, uh, uh, Juliet is a beautiful chef. We ate at her restaurant last night. And, you know, if you looked at the ingredients for that food, there's probably a few sticks and a couple of, like, herby things and some other bizarre things about only, only a chef... Only a, she- uh, only a chef has the apostolic and prophetic potential to turn those ingredients into a fabulous feast. And it, it's the same, you know, with, with, with you, you, what a builder walks onto a patch of land and can see that house being constructed. You know, the first time we saw our lake, um, you know, it, we could see it was brimming with potential. I mean, you couldn't even get to the edge of the lake. There were no tracks, no paths, no car parks, no fish. <laughs> absolutely none but it was brimming with potential and it's the same isn't it with a piece of art uh you know if you're a carpenter or you're an artist or whatever your trade is or whatever you you see the potential you see the thing before it exists and 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 that inspiration uh, motivates you to get and build that thing and bring that thing create that thing bring it into reality and so this is what Paul means by the church being built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. Um, some, of, some commentators look at that and they say, well, yeah, well, the prophets is the Old Testament and the apostles is the New Testament. Those are the ones that don't really like too many gifts and ministries today. Um, it's a little bit unfortunate because the apostles in terms of the New Testament wasn't fully compiled at the time Paul wrote this. So one thing he didn't mean was that. And you could tell. And when you look at the New Testament and the way the books were constructed and where the leadership of the churches are built, that this apostolic and prophetic thing was right at the heart of how God uh, or how Paul saw God building those New Testament communities. So that's what we're going to explore. And so as we do that, we're, we're kind of um, looking both ways as a church. We're looking back into our identity, how we see ourselves as a church. Uh, we're looking back in, into the way that we want to build church. We want to be a church that has an apostolic, and I'll explain what that is, vision and, and builds in that kind of way and that is inspired and energized by a prophetic imagination. Uh, so we're, we're kind of looking back, we're looking at our foundations, but we're also looking forward because as leaders we kind of feel we're in a once-in-a-generation reset uh, as, as a congregation. And it's like that in life, isn't it? We, ha- we have to change to retain our identity. Yeah, it, it, that, that's the way life works, isn't it? That's the way seasons and passage of life works. And we, we have to change to retain our identity. And so that's the kind of thing that we're going to be exploring for us as a community together this morning. And as we look at um, what the, the apostolic and the prophetic means and what it's all about, we need to understand how Paul's mind works in terms of how, how he built 
And, and, and you look at Ephesians 4, 15, 16, uh, which is right at the center of, you know, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. There's a whole passage there. And, and it brings this remarkable statement uh, that this, this community, this church that, that he is building, that the work of people, because these ministries are people, actually what happens is the church grows and is built. So there's a sense in which the church is growing, growing like a, an organism, you know, and it's very hard to quantify growth and to understand. Growth just kind of happens. There's an organic and a spontaneous dimension to the work of the Spirit. You know, God comes and does things in our lives and in our hearts, and we think, I don't know how that happened. That is unbelievable. And, and so, but at the same time, it's, there's this building that's going on. And it's a bit like that, isn't it, with our walk with the Lord. You know, God does these dynamic things, but we have to intentionally walk with God. You know, we walk in the Spirit. There's that dimension. And so when we want to understand how the, how the apostolic and the prophetic works, well, they, they, they grow the church and they build the church. Whoops, Daisy. Yeah. I, got to, I won't try and pick it up again because I don't need to kick it over. It's just kind of a symbol of the apostolic, if you like. So we're in this, and we see this in, in the Gospels, don't we? The Gospel of the Kingdom. Jesus in his teaching about the Kingdom, he's saying, well, look, you know, sometimes you've got this growing seed that uh, no matter what you do with this seed, you know, it's in the ground, and, you know, you come up in the morning, and, and the seeds come up. There's something about God's kingdom that is spontaneous. Yet at the same time, there's the parable of the sower, where seed is intentionally sown. The farmer has to go and identify a certain amount of seed and go out that and lay it in the ground. And that's how we're going to grow as a church. God's going to do some things that is going to blow our minds. And you're going to be saying, where did that come from and how did that happen? But then there's going to be a lot of other things that we're going to be intentionally building over a period of time. And, and I think that is really, really important. And so, you know, this text here, which you, you read if you could be bothered, but you've got this basic dynamic which you see within the earliest churches, the DNA of the earliest churches. We're flowing out from the coming of the Spirit. There was an incredible spreading and growing and multiplying, beginning from Jerusalem into Antioch, Thessaloniki, Corinth. Just, just this multiplication and growing of churches. And, and, you know, it was completely bemusing to the Roman authorities. You know, when they looked at the New Testament churches, there was an intense frustration. At one level, you know, they were calling them atheists you know, because they only believed in one God and not many gods, you know, other, they, they, and they thought that their morals were perverse, you know, the fact that they were faithful and true and, you know, rejected some of the sexual abuse and wider frameworks were in society, they wouldn't play the ball, and so they were, in the eyes of the Romans, they were perverse, and they just couldn't understand this, and you get stuff like, you know, what can we do about this virus that's spreading, this contagion, I think it was, that uh, Pliny called it, uh, what, you, what can we do about this contagion, you know, because they're not just caring for their own poor, they're caring for ours, we can't do anything about this thing, so there is a, a dynamic that was spreading, and part of that, I think, is the key that you had a church that was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And there was a sense in which, um, 
you know, God did something through the church that was a phenomenon and was phenomenal. You know, it was a phenomenon. You know, how you start with such a small group like that, and within two centuries, you pretty much become the, denomin- the dominant spiritual force within a whole, the biggest empire in the world. How that happens uh, is, is, you know, is, is a phenomena, and it is phenomenal. And I believe there's something about the heart of the essence of the church. That's what God wants to do. God wants to move among us in a way that is phenomenal. And he wants what we are doing as a community to be a phenomena. And that there is a potential here (laughs) that is as yet unrecognized. But God wants to grow it and he wants us to build it together. And that is the apostolic work. Uh, uh, that, that God is calling us to. And uh, that is a phenomena. How did this happen? How did a little prayer room out the back of wherever it was down, terminal, whatever, whatever, I can't even remember the name of the road now. Yeah, that way, whatever. Uh, uh, how did that become, you know, in nearly 150 nations? Well, don't ask me. But somebody, had, and, and, and the nature of vision is when you start something, you can't even see the fulfillment. And so it's frightening. If you want to have a vision that's worth living with, uh, living with, uh, living for, it's going to frighten the living daylights out of you before you start. And, and, and that would be true of anything, wouldn't it, for some of us with our careers and dreams that we've got individually. If you're not, if you don't, you know, you get that passionate ignition, and then when you really think about it, you think, oh, dear. Uh, you know, we've, we've made this. And, and you know, if, it's, if the vision is not big enough to make you feel, oh, dear, and if there's not a huge gulf between your ability to fulfill it, uh, uh, your personal ability and its fulfillment, it's probably not one of God. And so I think God is calling us to this phenomenal place. And the interesting thing uh, about the apostolic and, and Paul is that he had a, had a big idea. So, you know, there is this organic di- dimension. There is this this thing's happening. And the prophets are always going to say, you know, don't plan too much, whatever. You know, but, but Paul was an apostle. And he says in, in, in Ephesians 3, 8, he said, look, you know, um, I, uh, well, let me read this. You know, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And, you know, he's, he's, he's calling to preach, you know, to the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which was kept hidden in God, but it's now through the church. So, Paul, and this word administration is, is the word economy. So Paul says, look, you know, God's given me an economy, a framework, a plan of how the purposes of God are going to change the earth and the world. And do you know what that economy is? It's the church. <laughs> That's the economy. And in Romans 16, he says, you know, from Jerusalem all the way through to Monday, Albania and Kosovo, I've, I've done the job. I've established an economy throughout that whole region. And, and so Paul sees himself in 1 Corinthians 3.10 as a kind of a master builder. The word there, you know, I've built among you like a master builder is the word architectron, which is... Um, it's, it's the Roman word for the, for the director of works. You know, when the Romans were, you know, Corinth was a relatively new city. They'd go in, they'd rebuild a whole city. So, you know, these empires tend to do it. I think the Russians have done it in certain places, haven't they? They've gone and flattened whole cities and then rebuilt it elsewhere in, after their own image. 
And, and the Romans came in and they built these sort of cities. And, and Paul says, well, and, and the guys that designed all of that were the architects, the architectural. And Paul says, uh, the apostles are like an architectural. We, we can see the big picture and we can build this whole frame into place. And Paul was also an artisan. You know, he's a, he was a leather worker, most likely. We use the word tent worker. Most likely a leather worker. I read an interesting article the other day. You know, was the church in Thessaloniki planted out of a leather worker's co-op, co- cooperative? <laughs> because he would go around. He was a skilled artisan. He'd go into a city, into a place um, where they were going to preach. He'd, he'd, you know, start doing his leather work, earn a bit of cash, you know, t- t- preach to the other leather workers, build a little community, and then go on to the next place and do his leather working there. That, that's what he would do. But, but so Paul's mentality is, is the mentality of an artisan, of a craftsman. And so we as a church, we are called to this prophetic big vision, but we're called to build it with a big level architect, but with the skills of an artisan. And so God's calling us to be an artisan community here. And as we look at where we're going as a church, all of us are crafts, women and men within that whole framework. So what does this look like? Hello, I've stopped clicking. Can you move me on? A, is it possible to move me on one? There we are. So this is the kind of thing the apostles did. Um, you know, helping the church identify core vision, you know, the vision. And today we're looking to identify vision and values. Helping teams Build churches from scratch, piece by piece, starting points, stages of development, helping churches dismantle, reorder, and rebuild. And, and, you know, maybe we're going to need to be building from scratch. We're going to need to be developing. We're going to need to be rebuilding as a a community. But also, where the prophets point to the potential, there are some people that say, well, maybe we can try this. And, and, and I think that's what we are looking to do. That's where we're looking to build. And so as we're looking forward, well, I like, uh, I like this also that, that James done when he's summarizing what the apostles did. He said, look, the apostles distinguished themselves by their sec- successful evangelism and church founding as they moved away from Jerusalem. That's his way of phrasing it as a... As a top New Testament scholar, that's what he spent 50 years studying, and that's, that, that's, that's his summary of what the early apostles did. And, and maybe that, as we reshape our vision, that maybe that's what we're looking to do as a community. We're looking to mult, multiply and to grow into our region, building out from Ch- Chichester, if you like. And that Ephesians vision, it is laying foundations, casting vision, teaching, all of that kind of dimension, that, that's the kind of role of the apostolic. So the apostles are these builders, and an apostolic church is a community together that's pooling all of its gifts and ministries to administer this vision, to build and construct this vision. And then we end up with something that's way beyond our human ability to build when we the, the 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 sum total of all the parts together is greater than their individual framework. We we start to punch above our weight, which is what the early early church did. Now the prophetic dimension 
in that framework is really interesting. Um, and it's that inspirational dynamic. Now, a lot of scholars, you know, would say, well, where does all this prophetic ministry come from in the New Testament? Is it just the New Testament church that, that kind of did it, something that emerged, or is it rooted in the Old Testament? But I think most scholars, commentators would say, well, Jesus modeled the prophetic. That he modeled inspired speech in the way the Gospels record him communicating. And so they'd say time and time again, we don't always notice it if you don't understand the Greek and you don't understand the way it's presented. But time and time again, Jesus is modeled speaking inspirationally. You know, someone comes out and says the Spirit is saying, or there's that sense of imminency. And so people that are looking at the text would say, well, when Jesus said, um, come to me, all you are weary, heavy laden. He's sitting with a group of people and the Spirit comes upon him and he speaks, you know, come to me. So it's got that weight of God is speaking now. Of course, he obviously was God, but, but there's that weight of the Spirit upon him. And again, you know, when the disciples came back and, and people have been delivered and people have been healed, you know, Jesus looks up to heaven and he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's the imminence of the Spirit speaking prophetically. Um, you know, again, you know, at the, at the last meal table, someone around this table will betray me. And most scholars would say, that's Jesus speaking almost like an oracle, like a prophetic dimension, like a now word. And you see that coming through the whole of the New Testament where prophets began to speak the way forward. You know, it was very interesting, you know, Agabus tied Paul up and said, that's, what, that's what's going to happen to you if you go there. You'd think Paul wouldn't have gone there, would you, afterwards? He went there. <laughs> but it's probably handy for him to know what was going to happen when he got there. But he still went there. The, the, the prophets showed, but also the prophets, you know, in Antioch were saying, okay, God's moving here. Take these two and send them out there. And so all of these prayers that we've got and different things that are happening, and people are putting things up in the prayer room and we're going to be praying next week. The, these prophetic prayers shape the direction and the frame in which the church goes, which then we can build into. So together we're building a prophetic voice and we're sensing what is it that God is saying to us. So the church is built on the foundation of the apostles, those that have this master builder, those who've kind of got the gift and the anointing of putting all of these things together and and maybe it could be this form, maybe it could be that form. It's built on the foundation of the apostolic and the prophets, the prophetic, people who are hearing that now voice of God saying, look, it's all very well we've got all this general truth, but how about if we realize that this is what God is saying right now and you put those two together. And that's certainly where we want to go. And as leaders... We are asking the question, what next? We've been praying a lot. We've been seeking God together. We've been walking on the hills. We've been looking north. We've been looking south. And we've got a lot of thoughts, uh, not all of which we've got at this moment in time. But we want to put some thoughts out to you as a church as to what we are seeing so that we can pray into them as a church. Next week, we, uh, we can hear what you're saying. We can receive your feedback. And we can move forward from there. So we, we feel that we want to tweak our name, we want to go to Revelation or to Revelation Church because we feel that this season, it's about being movemental. God is 
releasing a movemental dynamic into us as a church. That doesn't mean we're stepping away from being a family. I think it means we'll be stronger than that than ever. Uh, and it doesn't mean we're stepping away from working with children or with young people. Those dimensions will be stronger and even more central as we go out from Chichester into our region. And in our vision, we want to focus the vision. We feel that everyone everywhere is a little bit too broad. We'd like to hone it down and say, how are we going to do this or what are we here for? And so we want to focus on our region. We've been up on the Trundle, looking north all the way up to Petworth and Midhurst. We've been praying between Petworth and Midhurst. We've been praying in Petworth. We've been looking south of the Trundle all the way down to the coast. And so we want to focus our vision on this region and ask the question, how, how can we as a community movementally begin to bring some transformation and see the gospel, see the good news of Jesus, see communities of faith multiplied throughout this whole framework. And so we've been doing a little bit of prayer walking in that regard. And so, so we're kind of seeing, you know, when the Spirit came in Acts, um, it, the whole thing is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Spirit will come upon you. And if you read the book of Acts, it is the record of the church saying, okay, that's what the Spirit said to us at the beginning. We're going to do that. You read through the book of Acts, that's what they did. They went from Jerusalem to Deir, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Some, sometimes they didn't plan it, you know, because they got persecuted and, and they got thrown out. You know, that's how Antioch got planted. A lot of people got thrown out from Jerusalem. They found themselves in Antioch and they ended up planting one of the first mission-sending churches. So... Um, you know, maybe some of us will get thrown out into the region in different places or we'll get displaced or we'll move house or, well, different things will happen. We'll find ourselves in different places and communities and churches will start to uh, throw up, or throw up, or, well, you know, you never know, uh, grow up in those kind of places. And so this is how we want to begin to focus our vision. Chichester and its district, the UK and Europe, Samaria, those on our doorstep and further afield who we need to advocate for and welcome into our community to the ends of the earth. That's where we are looking. And you might be asking, well, what kind of shape is that going to look at? Well, we wish we could uh, give you a detailed diagram, um, but we do have the early stages of a devious plan. Um, as Blackadder would say, or whatever. Uh, um, so we, we do believe as a church that we are called to be a resource church. By, by that we mean that, you know, there have, over the centuries there have been key churches, monastic centers, different groups that have been like bases from which God's work has multiplied and grown out. And you see that as a trend in the New Testament. If you you, you would look at Jerusalem, you'd look at Antioch, you'd look at Corinth, you'd look at Ephesus. Those are the main kind of bases that you see there. And, and we kind of feel in this season that um, we don't really just want to be one large church. You know, just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's not necessarily... I think our vision involves a lot of numbers, but not necessarily all in one spot. 
And, and we don't really want to go the multi-site type of thing, you know, where you have, you know, one church with different sites in different places. And we're kind of feeling in the light of what God has been saying to us, kind of the things we've been exploring with church around the table, with Connect Breakfast, with uh, Oikos groups, all of the kind of things that we've been talking about uh, around the table and all of that, that we're, we're kind of beginning to see a movement of house churches across our region, anchored by the congregation in Chichester, uh, but as house-based communities, uh, you know, all over the place. And we're kind of thinking a little bit about um, the possibility of pop-up gatherings. Now, which, just to explain what we mean by that, is, you know, planting a congregation is quite a, quite a, a complex thing, isn't it? You know, you need a team of leaders, you need all this kind of dimension. We're kind of thinking, what would it be like if, you know, we had house churches or communities on estates or in different places, and on a monthly basis or a regular basis or however, we have pop-up expressions of church there. Messy church. Um, I don't know, community cleanups, you know, walking groups, food groups, you know, worship, Bible study groups, whatever, however it works. Whatever works in this community, whatever could be built out of these house churches, that rather than filling this thing up and, okay, we're going to grow and grow and grow, so we're going to have five meetings here every Sunday or whatever, or you know, even two or something. Three would be a push, wouldn't it, one after the other. We're not sure they necessarily want to go there, but how about if we had teams of people pop popping up on different estates on a regular basis beginning to reach those communities? And, and, and that's the kind of thing that we are beginning to see ourselves as. And... So this kind of a radical direction, and it's kind of an impossible direction. As you look across the whole of our region, you know, you have to say that probably 30 years ago, there were more thriving fellowships, uh, you know, across our immediate region. Although, there's, although things are quite strong in the bigger towns, once you move out into the wider region, you know, right at the heart of those communities, there's a lot that needs and could be done. And so we're kind of scoping out this new vision. And we're going to need, uh, so how are you going to do it? <laughs> you know, how are we going to do this? You know, when we started Fusion, how, how are we going to do a student movement in every university in the nation when it's me, Mark Topley, and Rich Wilson sitting in a room scratching our heads with no money? How are you going to do that? Uh, you know, how are you going to, how are we going to, well, we don't really know, but we kind of think that there's potential <laughs> for this kind of thing. And, and, and over the years, uh, you know, people have reached every town and village. We go into every, every little village, every little place you go here. There won't just be an Anglican church. Somewhere along the line, there'll be an old nonconformist chapel that's been in that place where there's been a living community somehow in, in those kind of frameworks. And I think God is calling us to bring that renewal to the towns and communities in this whole region through a dynamic network that's movemental. And, and I don't think we're necessarily going to be controlling all of this. Hopefully we will be resourcing it, but we're certainly not going to be controlling it. So, what do you think? <laughs> it's an interesting one. What do you think? <laughs> should, should we give it a go? <laughs> Shall we give it a go? And, and I think that's what we are asking you 
uh, to pray about and to get in the prayer room and to begin, uh, you, you know, seeing what God says to you. Shall we give it a go? Um, because, and the great thing I think we're seeing is, you know, that the church comes home to our homes and our communities and our networks of relationships and that we become a community of households that are really expressing that dimension, that are multiplying stuff out into the world around. So let's stand together, shall we? Let's open our hearts. Are you a chef? <laughs> are you a parent looking at your child with all their potential? Are you a builder? Are you... What are, what, what are, what are the gifts that God has given you? Are you someone that sees designs? Do you just see practically how things can be done, one to five? What is it you see? What is it? What are the tools that God has put in your hands? And Lord, we thank you for all that you have given us. And we thank you, Lord, we're not just here as individuals or a church to make up the numbers. That we are a community of promise. And we are a community that you have spoken promises over. And we thank you that there's a big gap in the middle. And that's the development, that's the planting, that's the establishing. That's the growing and the building. So come upon us right now. And we pray, Lord, we will have a lot of fun and laughter developing this thing together. With the things that, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> oh, that worked quite well. Well, let's enjoy this creative journey that God is calling us upon as a community. This is a beautiful home. It's far too small for what God has got in mind for us, but it's a wonderful base, uh, a kind of a boiler room to use an old phrase, a <laughs> uh, place where the, the heat and the intensity is built so that things can come out and be planted and established.